Hey, I'm Chris, and today on episode 198 of KT Confidential, we're talking about first-time buyers and common mistakes that are made. All right, so today's topic, well, first of all, Chris, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Chris Behe, this is your, and you've been on the show a few times. <laughs> a couple times. Yeah. Um, today we are talking about first time buyer mistakes. I have noted down one, two, three, four, five, six things that come to mind. Um, and now that we're coming into a market where prices seem to have settled, um, buyers seem to have a slightly more positive outlook on the market. Mm -hmm. I see people are no longer like before a month or two ago, even a lot of people were like, I'm going to sit around and wait and see what happens. A lot of people treading water to kind of get a sense on where the market's headed. And yeah. I mean, it's definitely has to bounce back at some point. And the longer you wait, the bigger risk that you're going to miss that that bottom, right? Yes. Well, and just yesterday, we so we have a team group chat um, on uh, our, well, I guess it's iMessage. And um, one of the team members sent a notice, a screenshot of a notice saying there's a listing that they showed and there's eight offers on it. Mm -hmm. So that's reassuring. That says there's some buyer confidence. I'm sure six or seven of those offers were probably <laughs> a joke. Um, but, you know, it shows that people are comfortable competing. Uh, it's just not quite the same as it was before. Yeah. Um, the, we've been saying for a while that the nicer homes that are presented well, that are priced well, are still getting, they're still selling. For sure they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, the first one I put here was buying too large of a home. Okay. But it can also go the other way. So I think I know where you're going with this. Okay. So um, I think that a lot of first-time buyers get caught up in the idea of buying like the perfect home right away. Yes. So I don't think you can actually buy too much home if you can afford it because I think of myself, I think of a lot of clients like in the moment, House always seems too expensive. It always seems like you're spending too much money. And then six months, a year, two years goes by, and you're like, shit, we should have bought. Right. One was an extra bedroom. We should have bought one bigger. But that being said, in this market, housing is more, I feel like it's uh, more transitional. You need to get in the market, get that starter home, and then upgrade multiple times to get what you really want. Yes. Otherwise, you're just going to be waiting to, for, to be able to afford the house you really want, and you're always going to be priced out of the market. Right. So that was my point with that right. is that, so there's a, a, a post that we have on TikTok right now that's gaining a lot of traction, a bit of a controversial conversation between Ariel and Millie about uh, uh, Gen Zers, Zoomers. Mm -hmm. Are we using that term now? That's official Zoomers. I've seen it used, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, not being able to buy houses and the lack of affordability and, you know, uh, how hard it is for them to get into the market. I think a lot of them, like I have had conversations with many people who are new, first-time home buyers, but, you know, they refuse to buy a condo. Mm -hmm. They just do not want a condo. They And what they do want is unaffordable. So they see it as not feasible to get into the market versus buy the condo. Buy the small townhouse, a three-story townhouse with no backyard, whatever. Get into the market. Two, three years later, you move up to the next size. Yeah. Because generally speaking, with few exceptions, such as the market now, the market will increase in value more than you can possibly save at the same time. Absolutely. If I think of what I would do, if I was jumping into the market right now and I couldn't afford the house I really wanted... I would look at purchasing an investment property 
mm-hmm. renting it out. Rent prices are through the roof right now. Yeah. Um, with twenty um, percent down, most property is going to be cash flow neutral. You're not going to make money on it every month, but with the, where rent prices is going, it's a great way to jump into the market, um, gain that equity, and then to be able to afford that house you actually want to live in a couple years down the road. Yes. Well, and then all of a sudden, these people who Probably, you know, a lot of them work nine to five regular jobs as employees. They don't have much in the way of uh, tax savings, uh, ways to reduce their income taxes. Mm-hmm. If they have that investment property, all of a sudden, you know, some of their fuel costs, their car uh, expenses, yeah, tax insurance, goes down. phone bill, all these things, they can start to write off against the income of yeah, that there's property. Def- there's fringe benefits there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other side of it, though, too, is um, uh, sizing is important because you don't want to sit out of the market too long because you can't afford what you want. You should definitely get in and suck it up for a year or two or more. But you also, if you can afford a little bit more, sometimes that's worth doing. I had clients once who told me the reason they didn't hire the same agent they used last time, uh, there's a number of reasons, but one was they felt they didn't push them enough to spend a little bit more money to get the house that they really wanted. Mm -hmm. And the difference, I think they said it was $30,000 more. And if they had have spent that extra 30K, they wouldn't be moving again. Yeah. So. Well, that's what I is. Uh, that's the, my my only point that kind of contradicts somewhat is making sure that you actually spend, if you can, spend a little, maybe a little bit more money to get what um, suits you now and can suit you in the foreseeable future as well, right? Yes. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. The next one on my list is uh, getting yeah. caught up in the staging. Yes. That's a big one. Yeah. Well, there's been moments where I've taken clients to two houses. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. House A, eh, not so nice. House B, oh my God, this is my dream home. But it's it's funny because when we represent sellers, that's our big pitch, was presenting the homes in a way to make people fall in love with them. And first-time buyers are definitely more susceptible to to that trap. because they they have a vision of how they want to live. They want those that HDTV reality, where in reality, you can have, to your point, two homes, one far more upgraded, but is presented in a way that is just awful. Well, it's furnished with yeah. hand-me-down furniture versus... Carpet floors, hardwood floors, right. and the one that actually should be worth more sells for less just because it looks a little frumpy. Right. Right? Yeah. So a hundred percent. Well, and I find um, not just first-time home buyers, but many buyers, um, they just can't see beyond what's in front of them. So yeah. they get so caught up in the like a paint color, paint colors, yeah. and the you know. the finishes. Or we were just talking about door handles, for example, right? Yeah. Like you know, for a very low cost, you can do cosmetic upgrades to a home. Um, yeah. um, from my house, I just painted cabinets, door hardware, some light fixtures. Spent very little amount of money relative to the house and it makes a huge difference yeah well there's been instances where again i didn't looking at identical homes you walk into one and they've got this big hand-me-down couch in the living room yeah and it makes the space feel small yeah. and then you go to the next house same layout uh it might be like the reverse so they don't realize it's like a mirror image so it feels a bit different but it's right. identical in size um, and it, but it's properly furnished with the right size couch, and they're like, "Wow, this feels a lot bigger." The scale makes a huge difference. 100%. I find a lot of times uh, that with that instance, it's when you go through a home that has maybe an older person living there, or an older couple that has like large dated furniture, yes. uh, heavy drapes. 
it, it's hard to see past that. Even sometimes when we, when I walk go through them, it's like you really got to really got to focus to make sure that you're seeing the potential in a home and not just what it is currently. I agree. Well, one thing on that I didn't write down, but some people will buy a house that that can accommodate uh, furniture, right? Right, and they'll pass up on a lot of good houses because the dining room doesn't fit. I had one client or we'll have one client where they have this massive square table and it's, right. it is huge. It's bar height. It's probably like six by six. It's a really big table. Yeah. And they had to buy a place to that would fit that table. It versus, you know, they were so attached to it. So it's a thousand dollar table versus spending an extra 50,000 on a home. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So be open-minded to that stuff. Yeah. If it's sentimental, I can see it. Maybe it was handed down from somebody, but at some point, you're going to have to get rid of the table. Yeah. You can't take it with you everywhere. For sure. Parking. Mm-hmm. So there was, um, actually, maybe on the podcast, once we edit it, I'll show the post. But there's um, a post we did on TikTok where I, I stitched a, a post from a guy in Brampton who was complaining about his parking. And it was because his the bumper hangs over the curb or right. the end of the driveway and he kept getting tickets. Um that should never happen. You buy a house for the vehicle you have. Right. So when you're buying a house, you know what size your vehicle is. Park in the driveway, mm-hmm. see if you can fit. Um, or the other side well, of it is con- you either, maybe you have the house first and now you're buying a car, which I actually didn't do with the truck I've ordered. <laughs> Did you measure? I, no. But I was going to say. I've had trucks in the driveway. In condos, example, like there is trucks that won't fit in some underground parking. If you have yeah. a parking spot that has... Um, uh, maybe venting or something in it. I've seen instances where SUVs just don't fit in certain parking spots, more so in Toronto. Um, but you need to make sure that's that's a consideration, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure your vehicle can park there uh, or if you're planning on getting a new vehicle, see if that will be able to, if the house can accommodate it. But also parking is probably one of the biggest reasons uh, first time or second time buyers will say. First time sellers move. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Kids, they, kids get a car, um, third vehicle. Or even just or getting just sick bigger, of shuffling. Yeah. Right? Husband and wife or spouses, whatever. you got two cars in the house, one in the garage, one in the driveway, and you're always shuffling cars. That is one of the number one reasons I find people upsize to the next to the second house. Did you know I got a parking ticket this morning? Did you really? <laughs> yeah. For what? Parking on the street overnight. You get free parking passes. I. <sighs> you didn't register it. There was a gr- the lawnmower was in the garage, another car in the driveway, and I didn't didn't want to move the lawnmower because it was late at night getting home, and I was like, I will register the car. Hang on, the lawnmower. Yeah, and a gr- a you couple. can push it to the back of the garage. Yeah, it was my fault. I woke up and I saw the ticket and I said, I deserve it's it. my fault. I deserve yeah. it for okay. sure. Yeah. I didn't get I didn't pull a Jen. I didn't get upset about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Actually, that's another good thing to point out. A lot of people I find don't know about those rules. So depending on where you live, uh, a lot of municipalities have parking exemptions. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they all do. There's even parking. There's zones where if uh, certain there's uh, Milton has them or some sort of streets. Eighty percent of the people on the street say they want overnight parking. They allow it. There is there is areas. Um, where you can. Uh, Mississauga is more lenient in terms of street parking. There's areas that... that I think in Burlington, you can actually buy like a seasonal or annual... It depends on the street, I believe. So there's different areas for that. But I think that kind of ties into um, another thing, parking aside, but to find out more about the area before you purchase. Uh, A lot of people just buy because they 
that's an area where they think is affordable for them. Right. But they don't know the area. They don't maybe they might not know the schools. Um, shopping might be really far away. It could be uh, crazy traffic to get to the highway, and they move because they hate the area. So many people, I feel buy without doing proper investigating of the neighborhood itself. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, we had a house listed for sale across from uh, my house and, you know, I was seeing a lot of people come and go. And one person, when I was outside uh, working on, I don't know what I was doing in the garage anyways, guy came over, a prospective buyer, and he was engaging me in conversation, asking about the community and the neighborhood. And I thought that was really smart. And yeah. you don't, I don't see that often, but that's definitely something people should do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's not um, like for me, um, I would investigate the neighbors to a degree. Like I would think, I don't think it's too far to even knock on a neighbor's door and ask how the neighborhood is. Um, If there's a lot of rental properties in the area, your agent should know what the, your a good agent will know the makeup of the community and what's it like. And even just the curb appeal of the homes next to you, Mm -hmm. um, depending on the season, makes a big difference at the end of the day. If every if the upkeep on the homes around you are awful and you're the you know a person that upkeeps your home, that might not be the right street for you. And on that note too is Googling the address or the street, street the views. community name. What I do at times is I go back. Oh, you can okay. see like the different years. You can see the progression of the oh, street. Oh, yeah, Google Street View. Yeah, because, you know, maybe someone did a great job dressing up the home, but six months earlier, Google had a pile in... Um, um, you know, pile a car of on like yeah, driveway or like car, car on bricks or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was one property I was looking at for a client, and all the um, on Google Street View, you can see all the siding was down oh, on the home. Geez. It just raised a bunch of red flags. Why? Why the siding wasn't there? Yeah. Um, so I feel like when you go back in the Google Street View history, you can get a sense of what the um, what the community's like, especially if you're buying a house maybe in the winter and you're curious what it's like in the summer, that type of thing. So yeah. Google Street View and the multiple, you can look back multiple years um, is, um, um, I find helpful. Well, there's a house for sale. I don't know if it's still for sale, but recently it went up from for sale in Milton. Mm-hmm. And it's a property that we had um, sold previously. Mm-hmm. So we're very familiar with it. And they had a big house fire at some point. And the whole house, I don't know to what extent the damage was, but in the end, they had to basically gut the house, you know, yeah. smoke damage, it's whatever. Yeah. Everything uh, contributed to it being basically a complete rebuild. Right. Um, but there was no mention of it in the new listing. Mm-hmm. But if you Google the address, I'm sure it will come up. You'll probably have pictures of, you know, right. neighbors out showing you know, the, the event uh, unfolding. Um, All right, welcome back. We had a little mishap there. Thanks, Ian. A little mishap there. Audio uh, stopped recording. All right, next point is commute to work. One thing a lot of people don't do is consider the actual commute to work. They'll say, yeah, I need to move to such and such town because that's where it's more affordable. But they don't always know or they don't really consider how long that might add to their daily commute. Absolutely. And we've seen a lot of that with COVID when people no longer had to go into the office. They wanted to upgrade their homes. They're looking at what they can afford um, for the size. They moved away. Now they're getting pulled back into the office. And now they're realizing, well, they're adding 
30 minutes one way hour to their day and it's a yeah. it's a stressor for them well and i guess with fuel costs mm-hmm. uh, you're moving a further away because the uh, affordability of the house seems more feasible but you have to look at all the daily or your total cost of living so mm-hmm. make sure you know do you now have to take toll routes you have to jump on the 407 every day do you gas what your that, fuel prices and it all adds up i i think one thing that people don't factor is depreciation of your vehicle and so maintenance if yeah. you have to if replacing your vehicle and maybe every five or six years before maybe you need an extra vehicle every three years now because of the extra kilometers right um on it and we've had multiple um multiple clients over the years do that, move away, and then only to realize that they don't enjoy that commute. Yeah. So we were saying, it's funny because we feel like we're having the same conversation over again. But um, one thing that is helpful, but you had said it's not, you know, don't rely on it, but Google directions, you can set the time for the commute and get an idea for how long the commute should take based on traffic. But it's still a good idea to go to that area and leave from there at the time you would normally leave to commute to work. Right, and know yourself too. Like we live in Canada, we can have good winters, we can have bad winters. Um, it's if you don't enjoy driving in snowy conditions and we have a bad winter, you know, you might not be enjoying your commute to work in the in the winter months. Yeah, for sure. And some employers might not be that lenient with you not showing up because there's a little snow on the ground. Right. Yeah. So well, we have we had we've had many clients do it before, and sometimes they realize, yeah, the commute is a bit much. Uh, So maybe I'd rather spend a little bit more, live closer, spend more time at home, less time on the road. Yeah. And the reality is, is when you move away for affordability reasons, you sell a home in Milton, for example, and you buy one in Kitchener or Cambridge. If you realize down the road that you actually don't enjoy it there, when you try and make that move back, your money's not going to go as far as it did right. when you did the other way. So yeah. it's harder to make that move back than it is to move away in terms of affordability as well. So make sure you really know what you're getting yourself into before yeah. you do it. But I think it is becoming more feasible now. I have, I can think of a number of people who are now only going into the office once or twice a week. Yep. Um, and they're living in Muskoka yep. and commuting into the city for those one or two days they have to work. I love driving. Like I like my car. I enjoy the time in the car. I like putting a podcast in. I like listening to a book on tape, um, sports. Um, I can do an hour drive a day and it wouldn't bother me, but that's not everyone. No, I mean, it, and I wouldn't want to do it every day, but no, um, but you know yourself, I think know yourself and know what's reasonable for you. Yes. Uh, next is condos. So if somebody, first time home buyers considering a condo, there are some very important things to know, specifically bylaws, rules, and regulations. Mm-hmm. And the one topic that was the main point there was things like pets. Yeah. So one of the common questions we get from real estate agents representing buyers of properties we're selling is, can you tell me about the pet rules? Like uh, condos will have restrictions on how many pets you can have, what types of animals you can have. Uh, the weight of dogs, the breed of dogs. Some breeds are not permitted, period. Um, Even if the dog qualifies, you were alluding to it being a nuisance. Yeah, so a dog can be deemed a nuisance by the board and you have two weeks to remove it at any time. So a nuisance could be barking. Uh, It could be that it's off leash in an area it's not supposed to be off leash. It could growl at someone and they perceive it to be a threat. There's multiple instances where you think you're dog is 
cute and everyone loves it and enough people have an opposite yeah. uh, point of view. Like you may not have a problem with your dog barking when people come to the door. But other people. Everybody might. will. Yeah, oh, for, for sure. sure. Um, and the other thing with that is that just convenience of having a pet there. Um, I've noticed in the last um, in the last little bit, and I, I have a feeling it's because there's more dogs in buildings. Uh, more people have gotten dogs through COVID because they've have you know felt lonely. They thought they're yeah, at sure. home. Companionship. Yeah, they're at home more, so they feel like it was a good time to get a pet. A lot of buildings I've been in have recently. Um, um, made their pet rules uh, stricter than they were before. So I know uh, um, now I see it go through a lot of buildings, more so in Toronto, and pets are no longer allowed in the lobby. Um, right. They may not be allowed in elevators. Um, they may not be allowed to actually go to the washroom on those the property. Those must be grandfathered, though. Nope. They're, they can change. They're allowed, so you're allowed to have your pets. Can you're you allowed. imagine that, though, if you're on the 10th floor? Mm-hmm. and you've lived there for five years, 10 years, whatever, and yeah. you have a dog, uh, a big dog, so you can't pick it up and carry it, yeah. <clears throat> and you you now no longer allowed to go in the elevator? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, uh, the big the big rule thing, the change I've seen in uh, multiple buildings is not getting them in the lobby. Right. Right, so now you have to go through a, a side entrance, maybe the patch of grass in the areas on the other side. I wonder what um, sparked that. Was it because people were, they were making a mess? Probably. Or people were complaining, combination of the two? Both, probably. Yeah. I mean, I love dogs, but you, everyone knows, like, a lot of dogs are not well-behaved. Yeah. Um, um, you know, a miss, uh, like people, there's good dogs and bad dogs, but it only takes a couple bad ones to ruin it for... Yeah. For everyone. Well, there was, uh, <laughs> speaking of people, there, I was at the, the doctor's office a while ago. <clears throat> I was waiting in line, and this guy in front of me had a son who must have been six, maybe. And he was just going crazy, running around the room. He started kicking my ankles and my shins, and his dad didn't do anything. <laughs> Let alone dogs. I mean, people just don't know how to raise their kids or dogs. It drives the, me crazy. We were in the grocery store yesterday, and there was like a grandmother with her. I must have been a grandmother with a kid, and it's a kid whose name is Hayden. And every just Hayden, don't Hayden, don't Hayden, don't. And I, I turn, I kind of whisper, like, "Do you think Grandma hates Hayden?" Like, he <laughs> <laughs> was. But yeah, there's, um, there's multiple different reasons. But as a general rule, I love condos for first time buyers. I think it has a lot of benefits, provided it fits your needs and lifestyles. Yes. To be able to just lock the door and and go to have that security, um, to not have to worry about maintenance. Um, you, if you have a leak. You call a property manager if it needs new windows, it's taken care of. I mean, there's a monthly cost that associated with that to your condo fees. Um, a lot of people think the condo fees go towards nothing. Well, it, it doesn't. It goes towards building insurance, outside maintenance. A lot of times, maybe water or heater included as well. Security, concierge, whatever. Storage, parking, Pool, snow removal. Gym, yeah. You know, all these facilities. Exactly. So, I mean, you look at what the that cost actually costs you versus what it is for what you get, it can be a pretty good return there as well. Um, As an investment down the road, maybe you want to rent it out if the bylaws permit it. Condos rent out very easily. Um, So I I actually think that they're a great purchase for a first-time buyer, provided they know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, well, it's certainly worth getting into that uh, earlier. Uh, Even if what you want is a townhouse or something larger, you're better to get into something sooner rather than trying to save up to get the house you want now. Get in, 
and at least you get your foot in the market. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a big one I find, and it's an objection that I don't usually have trouble handling, but some people are more stubborn than others, and that is um, first-time buyers often decide that a house isn't suitable after viewing it online before going to see it in person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll get people to see it online, and they're like, eh, not interested. I don't want to see it. Meanwhile, it could be the perfect house. They just... Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of connects even with the staging aspect, oh, yeah. like is not making um, making judgments on a property before you see it. Yes. Um, I've so many times where I booked appointments for clients that um, I didn't even tell them which home we're going to. I know they would have said no yeah. in advance, and I just kind of sneak it into. Um, and it's actually the home they fall in love with in the end because it has the right bones, right character, the right neighborhood. And, you know, I see it can check enough boxes for them, but they would have just looked at the, you know, whatever pink wall and and yeah. and, and shut it down right away. Well, I think that's a good practice for real estate agents, uh, specifically working with first-time buyers, is stop sending them listings. Mm -hmm. Don't set them up. A lot of real estate agents will set up the automatic email yeah, that the, goes the, out. The drip, or yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so the you know and they wait for their clients to say, hey, let's go see that one. Versus, don't send them listings. They're looking at Realtor.ca anyways, so don't send them listings. Let's say. Monday, 7 p.m., we're going to go look at a few houses. Don't tell them what they're going to see. Mm. Just tell them the first house they're going to meet at. Also, show them multiple options. So yeah. um, you know, some people might say, I only want a detached home. I only want a detached home. But then maybe uh, a lot of semis, for example, right now um, might only be attached to the garage. It might offer 400 extra square feet. It might have a finished basement. Um, be open-minded to different areas, uh, be open-minded to different types of homes because there's a lot of d good options that uh, out there that might be different than what they're looking for as well. Yeah, well, and realistically, for people that are new to buying houses, uh, you know, what you see online and what you get in person is often very different. Mm -hmm. You know, Ian can attest to that with, you know, different lenses yeah. people use for cameras. Rooms can seem bigger or smaller. Or Even just... different floor plans. Sure, um, yeah. You know, someone might say they only want a house that's, or a condo, let's say that's 1,200 square feet or, or larger. Well, not all floor plans are created equal. There's lots of homes that are a thousand that feel just the, just the same. If it's yeah. 200 square feet of dead space, it, it, you're paying for nothing. Well, that's what a lot of, yeah. Square footage is huge. A lot of people, that's their primary yeah. criteria, right? Like I need a 2,000 square yeah. foot home. But if one house was built very open concept with few narrow hallways and wasted space mm -hmm. it could you know a 1700 square foot could feel absolutely and provide the same functional space or more than another another house that was i feel designed. like that happens a lot there's a lot of floor plans i can think of right off the bat that are big big floor plans that i don't like because they offer is dead space you're paying for you're, you're not paying for usable space. Right. Well, the other factor, too, is half the time the square footage is incorrect. Right. <laughs> right. So don't I, use that as a guide because quite often yeah, it's wrong. That was why I kind of just Googled um, mistakes. And they often say don't trust the floor plan because yeah. agents either don't do their diligence and they just put whatever. Um, a lot of, well, in Treb now, it's not a requirement. It's just a range. And then an agent might say it's 2,000 square feet and it's 1750. Right. You can't trust 
No. You can't trust the the floor plan. No. When there was uh, there have been lawsuits over that when the number when the discrepancy is substantial enough that it would have a profound impact on it's the material, price. Yeah, it's a material. Um, uh, it's a material mistake in the, the yeah. listing, right? Always another good thing to look at to verify if you are looking at the square footage is look at the source because now mm-hmm. it's mandatory that agents, uh, real estate agents, are listing where, where the source is. And if you see something like previous listing or yeah. from the owner or something Even like that. Geo, Geo Warehouse is a source. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not that great. Don't look at them. Yeah, unless yeah. it says from an assessor or what's the other one? Plans? Yeah. Even plans, builder plans are often wrong. Yeah, there, there's but, a there's a margin of, but the margin of error on a builder floor plan is it's, it's you're gonna be within two you're gonna be within one or two percent typically yeah. there. Yeah, so yeah. it's a better source for sure. Absolutely. Um, that was it. That's it. Those are my tips. Good tips. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just doing your due diligence and making sure that you do your homework and you feel comfortable with the purchase at the end. Um, one thing I think that's super important is uh, that we didn't touch on is just more the financials. Yeah. Um, have your mortgage approvals um, the locked up the best you can. Um, know the extra costs that are associated with the uh, with the property. Um, there's although there's a tax credit for first time buyers, you're still going to have land transfer uh, in 99% of the cases. You're going to have lawyer fees. Um, most people, if you're you're going to need furniture if you're a first time buyer, there's going to be extra costs that um, are above and beyond. So you want you know extra five percent typically um, just available to you for those extra things that come up. Yeah. And if you're buying a resale home, there's going to be um, no home is perfect. When you're going to want to do things, there's going to be a leaky tap. There's going to be a you know a door a lock. There's well, you just moved into a house not long ago, and what? And just today, you said your water heater failed. Yeah, I mean it's rent. It should that, be covered because of the rental. Yeah, but it's not always the case. It's a, and that's a five. Uh, that area. What is that? A six-year-old home? Like it's not. It's not yeah. uh, an old house by any means. Actually, something interesting Ariel found out recently when he was chatting with his insurance companies. Insurance companies won't insure damage caused by hot water tank. Water yeah. tank that's more than eleven years old. Yep, I, I never knew that. No, I don't think many people do. No, um, yeah, I mean we could talk about uh, insurance. Like, making sure you have proper insurance in your home. There's a lot of things we can cover, but I think we covered the yeah a lot I, of it. Yeah, that kind of covers the when you're shopping and. You know, the financials and stuff, that could be a whole nother podcast. Oh, There's a lot of things to consider. And then all the first-time homebuyer programs through the, you know, federal and provincial governments that you can utilize to help you get into the market sooner and make it more feasible for you. Yep. So that's it. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Hey, thanks for watching. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop us a comment below.